Here's a message from Ken Lavica. What in sports these days is putting a little edge into you? I'm about to chip on your shoulder. Stone Labanowitz hit the open. Just like you would expect, the fire hose is fully inserted in my mouth here, and uh, we've been blowing and going, and so... Ken Lavica. Get a run in, make an early cocktail, cut a gummy in half. Theo Dorsey. Very excited to have the opportunity to add him to the team. Stone Labanowitz. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios. It it's Lavica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Theo, would you say that you're defensive as a sports fan? You you take things that people say or do, and they direct them towards your teams in a negative manner, and you take that personally? It always feels personal, man. Yeah. Like, that's all you have. Yeah. Because you can't get out there and play. Right. Your role as a fan is almost specifically to defend whatever team you support. That is, uh, that's music to my ears because yeah. that's exactly how I uh, traverse through my sports world too. Uh, I, I take it very personally when so. I, I think about it. the The last two years, when the Heat have gotten deep into the postseason, deep into the postseason, uh, I I I was on such an edge over them diminishing that the heat should be there yeah. going against the Celtics. It happened when they lost a couple of lopsided games two years ago in the Eastern conference finals. Yet there they were in a game seven. Uh, we were judging how many quarters they lost in uh, those Eastern conference finals. And then uh, last year, the eight seed fluky uh, it, it, that that's the kind of thing that comes to mind with how I have openly put out there, how I, make my presence felt and how I activate myself from a sports perspective Tua, that's probably another good one too, right now, the way that I've backed off of, of Tua and at least levied some criticism on him, shown some doubt. Am I still eligible to be the president of the Tua Tungavailoa fan club in Palm Beach County and the treasure coast, or uh, has that ship sailed? I, I want to defer to stone on this one because I believe you showed a proper amount of objectivity Right, like maybe some maturity, a lot of maturity. Mm-hmm. So it almost like it to me, it gives you more credit. It, it makes you more of a credible source on the president of that fan club because we know you're not blinded. Sure, and by, I'm not a, a propaganda puppet. Exactly, okay. like you're realistic about it. But Stone, okay. I want to, I want to give you the, uh, the, the overall like the, the, the gabbit here, right? Because he's our Treasure Coast representative. Yes, yes. In the Tuatunga Vailoa yeah. fan club in Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast. Listen, that ship has sailed. Uh, you haven't attacked it as head on as. I think a Dolphins fan would have liked, like Theo's point, or what a Dolphins fan have liked. Yeah, you keep you. To Theo's point, was that a rim shot or thing, or that I no? I I think it's a good point. Yeah, that was was my point. Yeah, to Theo's point, like you kept your credibility, but you would have had to sacrifice your credibility for Tua putting your neck out on the line, and you haven't done that. So no, that ship has sailed. You're no longer the president. Okay, so I've got it to to be the president of the Tua Tonga Vailoa fan club. I need to be blinded by Tua love. Exactly. I, I do need to be. Pushing to a propaganda. See, that's the only thing I would push back on is because it depends you, what type of leader you want. You lose your voice, you lose your credibility once yeah. you start to ignore some of the faults, right? Yeah. Like, like you kind of at some point have to be like Rick Patino, maybe not as 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 boisterous as he did, but call your guys not out. Laying on it, laying on the table in an Italian restaurant. Well, that, that woman, not, not your that wife. Side of it, yeah. yeah. That, I'm more so meant yeah. like him keeping his players in check by laying it all out there and saying, "Hey, these guys need to be better. They have not done what they're supposed to do." But there's something to be said for commitment. 
Like, yeah. I've committed to Baker Mayfield, and I was blinded. And you come out, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and you have to trust the process. Well, you got to be blinded to commit to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like, literally blind. Yeah, like, legitimately, that would help. <laughs> like, that would like, help a lot yeah, if uh, you're trying to commit to Baker Mayfield. Like, legally blind, actually. Or, like, half dead, like that dog on the couch from the podcast. Right, right, the Baker Dead Dog Mayfield. podcast. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That, um, the reason I bring this up is because I want to talk about the term chip on shoulder. Chip on shoulder. It is the way I live my sports life. In fact, I think it's my sports fan identity. You want to say something about my team? You want to be derogatory about my team or my favorite player? I'm coming at you. Down goes Anderson! Down goes Anderson! That's right. Tim Anderson, by the way, newest Marlin. Uh, but Tim Anderson, I was wow. I was ashamed. How about that? I was ashamed as a White Sox fan when he got knocked out in a baseball fight. And I felt I felt great shame over that, but also I wasn't going to let people uh, just stomp all over the man. I needed to defend Tim Anderson. I have a White Sox chip on shoulder. It comes from years and years and years of growing up in Chicago where the Cubs, the Cubs reign supreme because uh, the Cubs are cute and cuddly yes. and they've got the uh, the old uh, the old park that smells like urine with the ivy and all Wrigley, that nonsense yeah. Wrigley Field is Love the it. worst yeah. i mean just an abomination it's so overrated but everything's yay cubs yay cubs yay cubs and then the white sox oh there's poverty I, I will never stop being a White Sox fan. You know they're terrible. <laughs> they're god awful. They're god awful. But oh, I needed to defend Tim Anderson because I have a chip on my shoulder against evil cubdom. Okay. Then there's some people that you'd be stunned have chips on shoulder. Me, I'm short of stature. I'm loud. I'm abrasive. Uh, I'm defensive. Of course, I have a chip on my shoulder. Then there's Alabama football. Alabama football does nothing but, well, win. Yeah. They're the standard of college football. Now with a new head coach in Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer was on the Pat McAfee show, and Kalen DeBoer dropped a chip on our shoulder on us. For them, uh, there was a little bit of time where there was some uncertainty, and I think we've really kind of calmed things down and feeling good about the direction and what's going to happen here this spring. But, you know, the core of our the core of our team, um, is right here, and uh, they they have a chip on their shoulder. You know, they they uh, they want to win that national championship. Uh, they had it right there in their in their grasp, and uh, these guys are already turned the page and moving on and excited about what our new staff is going to do, building on what Coach Saban has done for many years here at uh, Alabama. So there's there's Kalen DeBoer saying Alabama has a chip on its collective Crimson Tide shoulder. Mm. If Alabama has a chip on its shoulder. Surely all of us as sports fans have at least one major sports chip on shoulder, right? Have to. You have to. Now, I've always been confused by this this saying, the chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. saying. I'd never have would gotten like to the bottom of it. Would you I like would a definition? Would you like a definition? I love a definition because are we talking like Frito-Lay chips? Are we talking like a chip of wood? Are we talking like... Oh, you want the origin of it. What does it even mean, like a chip on the shoulder? I get it means that you have a complex, you have a bit of a, a defensiveness, yeah. a, a feistiness about you. A, Here's Merriam-Webster. Okay. Merriam-Webster, the standard, well, one of the standards in dictionaries. That's my dictionary. That's my go-to. Shout mm. out, Merriam. Yeah, what's the other one? Uh, Oxford. Oxford. That's right. Yeah. Who does Oxford these days, though? Losers. Yeah. 
No, Oxford's actually, did, did you realize Oxford, they uh, have people who read the Oxford Dictionary. They will send in words yeah. if they have not been, if they, they're not in the dictionary, they will take fan input nice. and then add those words to the dictionary. So it's like a glorified Wikipedia. Yeah. Now it's getting harder and harder these days yeah. because, well... A lot of words are in the Oxford Dictionary, but uh, it, Oxford relies on on readers. You think Riz is in there? I don't know. Probably will be. I doubt it is, but I yeah. bet it will be. Well, let's let's see. I mean, if if Oxford can get that in there, then maybe we have something going. Charisma's in there. I know charisma's in there, but, but what Riz, about Riz? Because Riz is its own word now. Yeah, Same meaning, in- but it's it's now established itself as its own word. It's a derivative. I, feel like. I don't know why you're talking like you know that or something. <laughs> Okay, I mean, just because I used it in the wrong context like four <laughs> days ago doesn't mean that I don't know what it means now. I've done research. Yes. Yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> have a chip on one shoulder, according to Merriam-Webster, to have an angry or unpleasant attitude or way of behaving caused by a belief that one has been treated unfairly in the past. Being defensive. Yeah. That's sort of what it is. You're being defensive about something in sports. For example... For example, I have a chip on my shoulder when it comes to group of five college football and mid-major college basketball because I feel like their interests are not recognized by those who run the sport. If you're a group of five college football team, the people that run that sport now they don't want anything to do with you when it comes to talking about a national championship. They are kicking you out to the curb with every decision they make about the future of the sport. Me as someone who works in mid-major or a group of five college football at Florida Atlantic, it drives me insane. I feel like our needs are not met, and I hate that, and I hate that college football just determines every year, hey, if you don't play in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ACC, you can't compete for a national championship. I hate that. And mid-major college basketball... Brett Yormark, who's the commissioner of the Big 12, a couple of weeks ago, he came out and he said, hey, we need to expand the NCAA tournament past the 68, need to expand it because it feels like the best teams maybe aren't being represented in the current iteration of the NCAA tournament. Wants to expand the field. But you know what's going to happen when they expand the field? It's not going to be to include more deserving mid-majors. It's going to be to make sure that the power conferences get more of their teams in. And that's what he means by feel like the best teams are not getting the chance to be in the tournament. It's all a money grab and it's all self-serving for those in power. And that's why I have a chip on my shoulder when it comes to the little guys in college sports. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I will push back on your college basketball take there. I think that an expanded tournament would suck. Well, expanded tournament, I don't want to see any more teams in the tournament for sure. I don't think we need any more games in the tournament. But what I will say is I think college basketball does a good job of including and prioritizing not the majors. Enough. Or at least, of course here's, not here, enough. Here, They're still mid-majors. If we're going to expand the tournament, if we're going to expand the tournament, then this is what has to happen. Hear me out. Uh-oh. Hear me out. Every regular season – 
conference champion in college basketball gets an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament because the regular season champion should mean something. When it comes to most mid-majors, the regular season championship doesn't mean anything. Let me give you an example. Living in real time in the American Athletic Conference, FAU's conference, right now as it stands, FAU has the best chance of going to the NCAA tournament. They are two games behind with four left to go. USF. USF is probably going to win the regular season championship, and they don't have a shot at an at-large bid. They are going to have to win the American Athletic Conference tournament in order to get in. And so for me, if you're talking McNeese State, or you're talking Sam Houston State, or you're talking Grand Canyon, if you win your regular season 16, 18, 20 games in that regular season, you should get in. You can still have your tournament, but then whoever wins that tournament also gets in. So if we're expanding the field, let's do it the right way, and not just so that Mizzou can get in. Would you rather that, or would you rather just stick at 68? That's the. Real I would question. rather just stick at 68. And that's what I think is the answer. Because I'm very much, uh, I am very pro stop expanding postseasons yes, now. Please, what are uh, we doing? Uh, enough. We don't need. We don't need seven teams uh, in each conference in the NFL. No. Uh, with baseball. Well. Uh, no, I, like I, I again, I know that's I'll take how seven in the NFL, but keep going. I don't need I don't need seven. It's pointless. We just did it to do it. Uh, baseball. Let's go back to the old days where you had the AL East and the AL West, and then they play for the championship series, and then you move on to the World Series. I'm good with that. Okay. In the NBA and the NHL, half the damn teams make the postseason. What the hell is that? You can just sleepwalk your way through the regular season. They, like the, the Heat. In the NFL, what I really like about what they did shifting the seven teams is prioritizing the bye week for the one seed, so it makes teams play. The good teams makes them play deeper into the season and not rest guys for the final two weeks. It's harder to lock up that one seed. And it also prioritizes the one seed over back in the day when I think the top two seeds got bye weeks. Mm -hmm. So I like what the NFL did. And adding that one seven seed that can sometimes contend with a two seed. Didn't we get a seven seed that won? This year, I think the Packers were a seven seed and they won. I like the NFL standard. Everything else I agree with, though. Were the Packers the seventh seed? I just said yeah, but I didn't really know. I think so. I can uh, stand by and get you that. Cool. Okay. I also, Theo, um, did some research for you. We thought Ken was going to do it. The origin of chip on children. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. We I never got that. to it. It's because we, uh, I got sidetracked uh, with dictionaries. Yeah. I, understandable. <laughs> I'm sorry. But did you go urban? I, I got to tell you, the origin is pretty badass. <laughs> like, uh, I like it a lot. So okay. 19th century United States, the phrase... A chip on one shoulder is reported as originating with the 19th century United States practice of spoiling for a fight by carrying a chip of wood on one shoulder, daring others to knock it off. Okay, so... Uh, so we're it talking, is a chip of wood. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is. is a literal hey. chip of wood, and we're talking tough guys. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, come get this. Come, yeah, <laughs> come, get, come this get this chip. wood. Yeah, come or, get this. Whoa, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. That's actually wild. <clears throat> Ham and Mace would be disappointed. Come and get this chip of wood. <laughs> hey, pal, come get this wood. <laughs> That's going to have a totally different outcome. I have a feeling that that is going to live for the remainder <laughs> of the lifetime of this show. <laughs> hey, tough guy, come get this wood. <laughs> Oh, God. What is your sports chip on shoulder? I hate that we have video now. I know. It's perfect, <laughs> I actually. And now. I, conversely, love it. He said, come get this boy. <laughs> what, what is your sports chip on shoulder? Mine, hey. mine is group of five college football and mid-major college basketball. 
What is your sports chip on shoulder? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. Come get this wood. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And social media at KLV1063. The, uh, the, the chip on shoulder for, for Theo Dorsey is what? Oh, man. This, one is, this one's easy, actually. And it, it's come of late over the past two years. Um, as we all know on this show, Two off-seasons ago in the NFL, I chose the Kansas City Chiefs as my new home, as my new NFL franchise after I disavowed the Carolina Panthers. Or did the Chiefs choose you? Chiefs kind of chose me at yeah. birth. I am born in Kansas, um, you know, and and I do have the birthright to the Kansas City Chiefs. I've always been a silent supporter, Correct. but now I am a proud fan. Correct. And what I've noticed is... There's this weird thing that happens in sports. People always say sports is a microcosm of life. It's a microcosm of what we actually experience in the day-to-day. And I learned at a young age, misery loves company. And what I've also found over the past two years as a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs is that sports fans are some of the biggest embodiments of misery love company. No. And it is so strange to me that at every single turn, since I've picked the Kansas City Chiefs as my Super Bowl team, or, or excuse me, my favorite team, and they've won two Super Bowls since, everybody wants to attack my fandom. Mm-hmm. Everybody I, wants to drag me into the misery that they share because they're a New York Giants fan or a Miami Dolphins fan or an Aaron Rodgers fan. It's probably the most consistent criticism of this show. Yes. Theo's football fandom. It is. And, and it being the Chiefs. And it it has forced me because I'm, I'm the type of guy that not, I'll keep it honest with you guys. The joy that I have as a Chiefs fan far outweighs um, the misery that I have to suffer of having to defend my fandom. Right. Like right. my Sundays are immaculate. Um, this is two straight years now as a fan where I've ended the season on the highest of high notes with my team bringing back the Lombardi trophy. So there's definitely I'm not complaining about this. But what I am being honest and vulnerable with you guys about is that is the biggest chip on my shoulder current day as a sports fan is having to uh, vehemently and constantly defend my fandom of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the weirdest part about all of this is everybody's asking, they're acting like I asked for this life, right? Like they're acting like I jumped on the Chiefs in the midst of their Super Bowl dynastic run. If I'm not mistaken, the offseason in which I chose the Kansas City Chiefs is the same year in which the Chiefs traded off their megastar wide receiver Tyreek Hill. And they were coming off of a playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody was calling my home stadium of Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead Stadium because Joe Burrow had all of a sudden taken a hold of the AFC and he was the new king, right? If I was really going to be a front-runner fan just trying to pick the new hot thing, why wouldn't I have picked Joe Burrow and the Bengals who had the younger quarterback and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all of the flashy? They were just in the Super Bowl. That would have been the obvious front-runner pick. What happened to the Chiefs a year before that in the playoffs, Ken? Do we remember that? Maybe the one of the most lopsided Super Bowl oh, yeah. losses. Yeah, Pat Mahomes was on his back the entire time. Pat Mahomes on his back. People questioning the, the, uh, the ability of Andy Reid's coaching ability because now in yet another big game, he seemed to be far out schemed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now the whole baby goat conversation is thrown out the window because Mahomes just got blasted by Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Two straight postseasons in which Patrick Mahomes was questioned at every turn. Two straight postseasons in which there were legitimate concerns about the Chiefs' longevity, their their ability to get back there. And I picked them that offseason. 
Now, I've always been a man of great timing, so it worked out, and the Chiefs have won two Super Bowls since. But I didn't hear all of those complaints and negativity and all that stuff back when I chose the Chiefs that offseason. Well, I don't know. We were making fun of you. You made I mean, fun Stone of- and I were making fun of you. Like, what, why did you make fun of me, though? Because it did seem like they were still an upper echelon football team. They were. But did you think they were going to win two straight Super Bowls? We I thought, thought there was, was a likely. possibility. <laughs> no, you guys didn't. No, you didn't. They were like because the all throughout both of these, they had the third shortest odds. I have. I have got Pat Mahomes. Right, that's amazing. That's cute. It didn't work out for them the past two seasons, but it did obviously work out in the future there. But what I'm saying is, it wasn't an obvious choice. All right, I sat in front of you all. With four hats. But hold on, pause. So if it wasn't an obvious choice, what you had in front of you was the yes. Miami Dolphins, the Carolina Panthers, the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. I don't know where else you would go there besides the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe Philadelphia, who also competed for a Super Bowl that well, year. Y'all, y'all are forgetting one major factor here, right? Back when I was making that decision, my heart always yearned for the Chiefs. I wanted to go with Kansas City because, again, that's my birthplace. It's a team I've always silent, rooted for. Like, we all have that one franchise or team that we always – are cheering for in the background, though we have our favorite team that we actually want to win. The Chiefs have always been that for me. But let's backpedal some more. Before I picked the Kansas City Chiefs, I was leaning heavily on going with the Miami Dolphins. You were. Mainly because I was like, yo, I'm here in South Florida now. I'm a homeowner in Florida. I'm going to be here for, an, an uh, I don't know how long. Indefinitely, I'm here in South yeah. Florida. I can go to home games. I can buy in. They've Tyree got a guy Hill. in Tyreek Hill yeah. that was coming down. It was a lot of excitement around that. And I was leaning in. I was like, you know what? I'll go with the Dolphins, even though my heart is with the Chiefs. And I was directed not to do so. I think you used your job in the market that we're in. It's contract negotiation leverage in yeah. that spot. Like you were like, oh, it might be the Dolphins, right? We're right here. It's all this and that. But you really knew you just wanted to jack up the price. And you went with Kansas City. <laughs> now, So you think I, I leveraged my relationship with South Florida over the uh, Chiefs? Together? But here's the thing. What he just said, he, he, he didn't outright uh, proclaim it. And he might have lost it in his explanation here is relitigation of what took place. But yeah. there is someone... Here at ESPN West Palm, yes. who thought it would be bad for the show, and by the way, I'll make those decisions. Yeah. Okay? Would be bad for the show if Theo chose the Dolphins because they thought there'd be too much agreement yeah. on the show. Too much Dolphins. Well, one, can't be enough of it. Okay? Two, I'll make those decisions. And three... Uh, you can make the case that people should be calling you fraudulent at times because you allowed an outsider to talk you into it, and maybe just maybe that decision didn't come from the heart. See, this happens all the time. So you made a business decision. Management was trying to first take us. Stone. Yeah, you guys got a debate. Can't yeah. be the same team. Yeah, Stone. you have to embrace debate. Here's here's where here's where I agree with you, but then I also have a a very very pointed kind of rebuttal to it. I never really necessarily wanted to pick the Dolphins. I was going to pick Miami out of convenience because I was like, it would be nice. I'm a Miami Heat fan already. I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. I had no other real tie to South Florida Mm -hmm. outside of, or tied to the Dolphins outside of the fact that now I live here, I can become a season ticket holder. I can go to the games more. Like, I'm going to be inundated with Dolphin stuff. It would have made sense. My heart was always with the Chiefs. I've been rocking Chiefs gear since I was a young lad. Right, like I've always been tied to them in the Priest home days, in the Trent Dilfer, or not Trent Dilfer days. Uh-oh. Excuse me. Oh, Lord, have mercy, not Trent Dilfer. I've always been Chiefs at the heart. How about right? Steve Bono? Uh, no. Okay. No, I, I actually I, I won't attest to being a huge fan of Dante Hall, Tony Gonzalez, yeah, Henry, all of those guys. Henry Crockett. No. So, to me, 
it's kind of like on signing day, right? Like these kids, they're influenced by all kinds of outside sources, sure. but their heart knows where they want to go. Their mom is telling them to go one place. Their dad is telling them to go this place. Their uncle is an alumni of this place. So you're going to be influenced by the outside. But at the end of the day, it's whatever decision you make when that table is in front of you and those four hats. And honestly, Stone, you should be able to relate to me on this. Were you at least a fan of Kyle Appleberger in no. the priest home days? No, I wasn't. Uh, what are you Googling names right now? Yeah, I think he is. Former I, Chiefs player. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's <laughs> but no I'm way. I'm just saying. You knew that off the top of your head. Those aren't real names. Throw all of it. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I was trying to get him to be like, yeah, of course, dude. No, no, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I'm, if, I'm nothing if not honest. And truly, that is the biggest chip I have on my shoulder is having to feel like I have to defend my Chiefs fandom, mm-hmm. even though it is such a glorious existence to live anyway. So I'll take that. If that's the one negative that comes with being a fan of number 15 and the Kansas City Chiefs, then I'm riding with Chiefs Kingdom, and I'll defend it to the end of earth. What? But it is the biggest chip on my shoulder right now. What is your biggest sports chip on shoulder? For me, it's the fact that the group of five in college football and uh, mid-major college basketball does not get treated well. I don't like it. I'll defend it to the teeth. That's my chip on shoulder. Theo's is people questioning his Chiefs fandom. That's where he has his biggest sports chip on shoulder. Like Kalen DeBoer and Alabama and them having a chip on shoulder, what is your biggest sports chip on shoulder? What is your biggest sports chip on shoulder? Come get this wood, dude. (laughs) 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. You're listening to us on ESPN 1063, the free ESPN app, your smart speaker, and now watching us in 4D glory, 4K glory. 4D yeah, would be 4D weird. Would 4K glory would be Talk really technologically wood, advanced. Huh? Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, in, in all of our 4D glory on YouTube. At ESPN West Palm Play, subscribe and watch us as we bandy about on a daily basis. That's Theo, that's Stone, I'm Ken Levick at Theo and Stone, ESPN 106.3. Aerial 6B. Aerial 6B. From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's LaVica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Stone, can we have some breaking news, please? Some breaking news. Breaking news on ESPN 106.3 is brought to you by St. Lucie Battery and Tire. If your vehicle has issues with braking or other issues, get it fixed right, right now at St. Lucie Battery and Tire. Jimmy Butler has returned to the heat. He missed the three games due to a death in his family leading into the All-Star break. Jimmy Butler is practicing today. The Heat next have New Orleans tomorrow. Today's Thursday, right? Yeah, yep. tomorrow. The Heat have the Pelicans. But now, can I have an injury emporium, please, Stone? Injury emporium brought to you by Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. Hut! Green! Hut! Hut! Oh, no. There's a man down. Ira Winderman of the Sun Sentinel has just tweeted a photo of Josh Richardson and his right arm is in a sling. Uh. What does it mean? What happened? Not sure. But I would doubt that with an arm in sling and not practicing, he plays against New Orleans. Josh Richardson coming out of the All-Star break with his arm in a sling. That's a problem. 
And that's the subject of our Baptist Health Orthopedic Care Injury Emporium. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? Need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leaning edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho. For more information today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. Chips on shoulders. And again, we found the origin of chip on shoulder. And you said it's from the 19th century stone. That's right. And it comes from, it's an American term. Yeah, it is. Oh, God bless this nation. Yes. But it, it, people would literally walk around with wood on their shoulders uh, and challenge other people. To, hey, come knock it off. See what happens. Uh, that's that's some tough business right I mean, that's there. That's about as tough as it gets. I kind of love that. Who's tougher, though? The guy carrying it or the guy that actually goes to knock it off? It's the guy that goes and knocks it off. Hell yeah. You're like signing up for a butt whooping. Can we also, Straight though, up. can we, and I know it was a different time, can we discuss how mind-numbingly stupid that is? <laughs> See, no. I disagree. Hey, that's no, so dumb. Not. That can, is so dumb. No, because that's how they used to settle. That's how men settle it. Now yeah. you're on Twitter <laughs> right. talking about, come see me. <laughs> right. Come see me. You know where I'm at. And knowing damn well he's not going to pull up. Right. But if I walk in your spot or your block, your corner. With some, with yeah, is that where chip. knock your block off comes Ooh, from? I knock your block off. The term off. knock your block off comes from? Is there a Can block, you look that up? A block of wood? Well, then, what kind of wood are we talking about? Chip of wood has got to be. I'm thinking chip it's a on big shoulder. Enough. Chip on shoulder was like a wood chip. Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the chip of wood, oh, but I wonder how. Because yeah. a wood chip is small. Because right. I thought they were putting blocks of wood on their shoulder. Because no, then I'm like, you could just throw something at it. It's like a piece of mulch. It's a chip of wood. Wood, yeah. Like, and what's up? Knock it off. Okay, can you check uh, and knock your block off yeah. uh, as well? Uh, chip on shoulder. What is your your biggest sports chip on shoulder? Mine is defending group of five college football, mid-major college basketball. Let the little guys have a say in how things work out in college athletics. Theo, his chip on shoulder is constantly having to defend his football fandom. What about you? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776, and the socials are open at KLV 106.3. In about 10 minutes, Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike every weekday, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3 in his normal Thursday slot uh, here on Levica, Theo, and Stone. Uh, Twitsy messages in that Dolphins never built a complete team around Dan Marino to endure one or more Super Bowl rings. I, that's a lengthy, long-standing chip on shoulder yeah. for a lot of Dolphins yeah. fans. I have a feeling. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Vaughn messages: National media spending so much time on the Lakers, who are a playing team, but they have LeBron James. See, this is sort of. I feel like that's where this comes from. Yeah, like it, the coverage is LeBron, not necessarily the Lakers. The right. coverage is LeBron. Not the Lakers per se. Because think about this: like the two big, the two biggest brands in the NBA, if you disclude the Knicks because they've been irrelevant, are the Lakers and the Celtics. And the Celtics are the one seed, and they don't get nearly as much media coverage or attention for that that you would think. Whereas the Lakers and the Warriors, also another play-in team, get so much coverage, and it's because it's LeBron James and Steph Curry going off into the twilights of their career. It matters what happens with them way more than any, you know 
top-seeded team. Like the Timberwolves are the one seed in the West. You want to hear about them every day? Uh, I I would be more interested in hearing about them than hearing about Austin Reeves. Well, yeah. Hey, here's the thing. Yeah. With any team, you can find it compelling. At some point, it just becomes boring. And the Lakers, they do have the same storylines. Like They're focused on because LeBron is the face of basketball. Teams. You know? That said, if you truly are a basketball head, if you pay attention to the NBA, the fact that you do on a daily basis get more coverage of the Lakers per show than you do the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that's been at the top of the West almost all season long, that's inherently a problem. You want to extrapolate? Throw Oklahoma City into that conversation. How are we hearing more about the play in the Lakers than we are maybe the best story in the NBA right now in Oklahoma City? Because Hell, both of them, Minnesota and Oklahoma City, are great stories. Because people, there's like not, it's the same complaint that people have or we had about the Heat not getting the coverage in all of their playoff runs or in, in the, how great Eric Spolster has been, but he doesn't get enough love for it. It's like the storylines matter more and the narratives matter more to these talk shows and debate shows. Like if you're a real basketball head, you're not watching Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp sure. thinking you're going to get Find your a fix. Podcast. You yeah. go to like a Nikias Duncan or you go yeah. to a J.J. Redick or somebody who actually is going to talk about the X's and O's of the game. Well, it, it, this from Leon, here's his chip on shoulder. And it's funny that this came up. The way that true sports talk and debate has died, entitled fans are more focused on the drama and mess than the game. Side I don't know. It's a of the times. It, it, I, that said... There's an inherent question about what our role is. Is it to inform and educate or is it to entertain? I firmly believe that if, if we sit here and Theo and I are, are tossing out numbers at you and analytics at you for two straight hours, you know what you're going to do? You're going to pass out while driving, fall yes. asleep, put your car into a median. Like that's From noon to two each day, what we're trying to do is entertain you, help you pass the time, help you get through the work day, maybe have a laugh or two along the way, right? Mm -hmm. Surely we can educate you to an extent or inform you about something maybe you didn't know about, but I don't think sports talk has died. I think that sometimes maybe it's a little bit too debatey, but I think that's inherently why sports talk was created, to debate yeah it's just now what has always been sports talk is now a key component to espn's television programming Mm -hmm. and that's why it feels like you're drowning in it does that feel accurate you you honestly for those people that are looking to be informed and only strictly informed that's what the podcasts are for Mm -hmm. that's what the beat writers are for that's what all the articles on dot com are for that's where you go to learn and to grow and to expand your mind about the game and most other outlets are here to entertain. If you think about it, too, like, yes, we are here to entertain. We also inform while entertaining. And imagine, like, if you conjure up who was your favorite teacher in high school or college, who was one of your favorite mentors or educators, like, some of the best people to do it when you are informing and educating, you also have to be a bit entertaining. You also have to captivate people's minds and capture their attention. Our attention spans are like this these days. Yeah. If we sat here and, like you said, ran off stats, people are going to stop listening. It would be horrendous. And you know what? Talent-wise, we have a lot to give when it comes to the world of entertainment. Come on. I mean, uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. There's nothing more entertaining than us three. 
It, it, it don't get no better than that. Uh, what is what is your biggest sports chip on shoulder? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And again, social media at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. We'll get to your calls on the other side. Evan Cohen on the way. We have a lot to do. We got you until 2. That's Theo. That's Stone. I'm Ken Levick at Theo and Stone, ESPN 106.3. You got to pump it up. Don't you know? Pump it up. From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's LaVica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Theo, I want you to hear this real quick. Stone, we already heard from Kaylin DeBoer talking about chip on shoulder, all that stuff, Pat McAfee show. But same Pat McAfee show appearance. Can we hear the second clip we have of Kaylin DeBoer? You're going to know why we're playing this. Right when you hear it, Theo, right when you hear it, this is a word that I don't hear in any conversation, any vernacular, unless we're talking about sports. Here's Kalen DeBoer. Coach Saban's just done it for so long and uh, has it has it rolling. And, and as I've, you know, I would say the, the cupboard's not bare. There it is. Hey, cupboard. We were talking about it yesterday because hey. you and Stone kept using cupboard over and over and over again to describe the Celtics roster. Cupboard, 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 full cupboard. Yeah. And nobody calls, at least my age, the place where you get your cups in a kitchen, the cupboard. It's a cabinet. But we use cupboard in sports all the time. Why? I don't understand that. Mm. Uh, on that note, we bring in a man who uh, you hear every single weekday. Morning, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3. And uh, some of you just wake up to his smiling face every single day on the ESPN family of networks. It is Evan Cohen, part of Unsportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. every single weekday here on ESPN 106.3 with Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman. And he joins us for his regular Thursday appearance. Uh, uh, Evan, cupboard, cupboard. Do you call that place where you get cups or mugs in your kitchen a cupboard? Cabinet. Yeah, it's a cabinet. Uh, why do cabinet. we continually go to cupboard in sports, though? I don't understand why that's the case. Kalen DeBoer just did it. Stone and Theo wouldn't stop saying the word for like 20 minutes yesterday. What do you mean just did it? What are we talking about? Kalen DeBoer is doing interviews right now? with Ma- McAfee's off. What, what, what are we talking about right now? I'm very confused by this. McAfee's been off for like three weeks. What I know. am I missing here? This was, this was from an appearance on the Pat McAfee show. Oh, okay. All right. So, okay. I'm just confused by that. All right. Good. So, um, there are many of those terms, Ken. Like, think about, and I have to give Zach Lowe of ESPN NBA fame credit on this, because he said this a while ago, but now that you're saying this, it triggers a thought. When was the last time you used the word stave? It's outside of stave off elimination. elimination. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I don't even know if stave is ever used. Ever, in uh, yeah. any way, shape, or form, except for that terminology, right? I, I've never used stave unless it is that. You're And, and ensuing, nobody says ensuing unless you're talking about kickoffs. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I, this is going to sound weird now that you're walking me down this path. My wife and I were talking about play dates for my kids, mm-hmm. and I don't remember which kid it was. Um, my son's 10, my daughter's 7. One of them was having a play date, and I said to my wife, oh, we should do a home and home. And she's like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, what are you talking about? Meaning, we as sports fans uh-huh. know, like, one at our house, one at their house. <laughs> oh, right? my like, goodness. oh, a home and home. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, Theo, I mean, Theo, you say this now, 
congratulations on the marriage and the wedding and oh, everything. You. you guys do you. But at some point, if you want little kids and God willing, okay, the, the road play date is vital. You got to get the road play date. So when, when they come over our house, I want the home and home. Uh, I that, want it at theirs. Hey, you know what? I, I think, though, depending on the size of the house, uh, the bigger house, maybe they're trying to get a two for one in that spot. All right. Uh, that fall I don't apart? Know how to respond no. to that one. No, uh, not good. No. Okay. okay. I thought, I thought, so maybe, here's the question. thought maybe we were just going to continue on with uh, scheduling jokes. Okay. Uh, well, the two for one, I was thinking more so basketball, like 30 seconds left in the in the quarter. Mm. But I'll, I'll go back mm. to that specifically, Evan. You're saying that you want to have the road play date. Is that because you don't have to clean up on the road? Oh, we had a situation the other day. Oh, my God. My kids are off this week for whatever cockamamie reason in school. <laughs> I don't understand. They have like two winter slash spring break. Weird. The other d- yeah, the other day, four kids here. Ooh. My son, two of his guy friends, one of his girlfriends. And, and I'm not kidding. It smelled so bad oh. in the room that they were playing in. Every light was on. It was a mess. I literally would pop out of my office to clean up and tell them to shush every two seconds. <laughs> I'm that guy. I am a neat freak as it is. I don't like when things are messy. When you have four 10-year-olds running around, oh. playing video games, eating pizza, it stunk. I was, it was a disaster. Let someone else clean that up. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. that is nasty business that's right there. Point. I don't know if you knew this, by the way, Evan, speaking of kids and the prospect of kids for Theo, I don't know if you know that uh, his bold prediction, Theo's bold prediction for the uh, the Super Bowl, and by the way, night one of his honeymoon in the Dominican Republic was Super Bowl Sunday. Ooh. We thought that was a curious scheduling move. Uh, but his yep. bold prediction was uh, if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, be a little teddy. Nine months from now, PJ, uh, and I get—I cannot tell you how many people over the last two weeks have been asking me. Oh, yeah. Here, l- listen to this. This is this is what Theo said because this is all anybody wants to ask me is what are the chances that Theo actually did call his shot? Here's here's this from Theo. You know what my bold prediction will really be? My bold prediction is that after the Chiefs win, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll likely be hearing about a TJ coming soon about. Eight and a half, nine months from now. Oh, How about that? <laughs> so that that was the bold prediction of Theo. That's all anybody wants to ask me about is, did Theo follow through? And I don't know how to respond to that. You don't. Yeah. And neither am I. That's the answer. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I ain't, I ain't commenting on that. <laughs> well, I did. Um, uh, <laughs> Evan Cohen, part of Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman, uh, 6 to 10 a.m. every single weekday here on ESPN 106.3. I, I wasn't watching when you guys were discussing this, Evan, but uh, I saw Brian McLovin Rowitz tweet about some hibachi slander oh, on the show today. God, what happened disaster. here? Disaster. Disaster. So... We do a segment every morning at 7.45, which people can hear on ESG 106.3, called I'm Over It. Items um, that Pat Costello, our producer, comes up with, uh, things he's over. It's very Ken Levicka-like mm-hmm. in many ways. I can relate. Mad at, the, yeah. mad at the world about everything, right? I'm over it. And one of the things he said it was, I'm over high prices at fast food chains. And we said, like, isn't that actually supposed to be the most valuable meal you could have, right? You get more bang for your buck at, a, at any fast food chain than anywhere else. And I jumped in and I said, yes, but I'd also add hibachi because I love hibachi. I think the hibachi value of the soup 
and the salad and the rice and then the veggies and the protein and the show in front of you for let's call it, you know, between 23 and $30 per person is great value. To which Pat then said, hibachi stinks. Hibachi's <laughs> gross and you always leave hibachi hungry. I said, I don't know what planet you're on, but hibachi is amazing. I would do it every night if it didn't make me so full that I couldn't breathe when I get home. (laughs) Um, Okay. So hibachi doesn't stink. Uh, I find myself to be full like you, Evan, all the time after I go to hibachi. Here is where I do agree with the hibachi experience with, with Pat is that it makes me uncomfortable. And I feel like there's Why? a lot of, pr- I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, there's a lot of pressure for me to react to what's going on in front of me. And sometimes I don't feel like, ooh, ah, or like applause. I don't feel like doing that. Like, thanks for the show, but it, it's really kind of extra. That's I would almost prefer if I could order hibachi out and go pick it up, I would do that and enjoy all the perks of hibachi without having to be forced into reacting to the show in front of me. And then there's all the fire and there's the things and the oil and like i don't want all of that like good knife skills outstanding flipping skills hey that's a cool volcano i don't need all that i'm just there for the well, food evan but okay, i understand what you're saying but that's why you go with your wife and kids because what happens is the chef usually has their his or her head down cooking obviously mm. but if your kids are there they're not going to focus on you they're going to focus on the kids so in many ways, and you have no problem doing this, I know, having other people do your dirty work in life, um, you, have, you have your kids do the dirty work. They're the ones that have to engage with the chef. And when they're engaging with the chef, guess what you're doing? You're eating off of their plate too. So you're actually the value. We come right back to the value on this. I sent Stone the audio okay. just now where if you want it, because we brawled about this this morning, and I guess McLovin obviously was listening during this time because I just don't understand how. Anyone could slander hibachi. There's a lot of food that you could go out there and slander. And I will say, I'll put a caveat on your, yours is not slander. No. As much as it is, is there an alternative that I could have? I've done hibachi pickup. It's still good food. But it's not the same. But it's not necessarily as good as if you have it in person. I'll give you one other thing. There's a hibachi place now that we go to near my house in New York where they give noodles in addition to the rice, in addition to the salad, in addition to the protein, that's a good ass. That's, yeah, that's pretty legit, actually. And you know what I I do like? The one thing I do like with the hibachi experience is when they flip the egg into the hat. That's good stuff right there. And if I could watch that over and over, I would, because that takes legitimate, excellent uh, talent. Evan Cohen. So now, you're, now you're back on hibachi. Yeah, right, yeah there's certain elements I'm okay with, but again, the inner, the constant interaction, like I just, and it, fire makes me uncomfortable. Like any open flame near me, I don't love it. I got to be honest. Well, right, I understand. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that. Oh, uh, I wanted to ask you, we've been talking about chip on shoulder. Did you know, by the way, the origin of chip on shoulder comes from the 19th century. It's an American term where people would literally walk around with chips of wood on their shoulder and say, hey, tough guy, come get it. Uh, and it became like a physical mano a mano type of challenge. I didn't know that until today. We learned something on this show, but we've been talking about chips on shoulder in sports, uh, and I think it's got to be something that you get defensive about, and then you'll fight it to the teeth about. And for me, that's college 
football, group of five, disrespected. College basketball, mid-majors, always disrespected. My lifetime is MJ versus LeBron, but I don't feel that overly passionate about it anymore. So I've sort of just pushed that to the side. Where are you on this? I don't think you have a chip on your shoulder about the mid-majors. I think you have a bias. I think there's a total difference. I think because you're in the FAU world that you're in, that's more of a bias than a chip on a shoulder. And by the way, you have good reason for that bias. I'm not saying you shouldn't actually have that bias. The chip on the shoulder for me is the questioning of the heat culture. Like how many times they need to prove that it doesn't matter that you've never heard of the person who's playing. It doesn't matter that their seed is lower than you anticipated. They're still going to end up exactly where they say they're going to end up. Yep. That's my chip on shoulder. I think that's real good. Hey, we were talking about the Heat win. People were questioning how many quarters they were winning huh. in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Uh, don't question it. There's, there's no question to be had. There is certainly a body of work that suggests that it's never ending. Uh, Evan, appreciate you. Excellent work as always. We'll do it again next Thursday, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll hear tomorrow on ESPN 106.3. Thank you, everybody. Good luck with nine months from now, Theo. Appreciate you. Appreciate <laughs> you, man. That is Evan Cohen, unsportsmanlike, with uh, Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman, <laughs> 6 to 10 a.m. every weekday, right here on ESPN 106.3. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. It'll be about seven months from now when you start a fall semester with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, which, by the way, is the number one rank in the United States postgraduate sport management degree. It's the FAU MBA sport management program. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA sport management program. Number 10 in the entire world, according to Sport Business, Dan Cornelly and his entire staff there at FAU. They are putting you in the best position to get your dream job in sports. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. It's a Thursday, which means we've brought out the WD-40. Mm. We've lubed the baby up, and it's time to spin the wheel of topics. We're going to spin it. We're going to give it a test spin. Just a little spin. Test spin before we actually... Wheel there we of go. Topics. Tell you what, that baby's spinning pretty good. Pretty efficiently right there. When we come back, the Wheel of Topics. That's Theo, that's Stone. I'm Ken. LaVica, Theo, and Stone, ESPN 106.3.